kicking off a brand new series today, and I think this series is going to be really good in dealing with and talking about stuff that we don't normally talk about in church, so I'm excited for that. Uh, and two, do me a favor, slip your cell phones into your pockets. You're not going to need them for the next, like... 20 minutes, just tune in because I really believe that what God has to teach us today from the Bible is going to be something you're going to want to remember, and I don't want you to miss it. Uh, let me tell you that I missed you. I was not here last week. I was in Houston. Uh, Mark's been to Houston. Uh, Jeremy's in Houston right now. I went to Houston. This is the Houston t-shirt I got, a very cool t-shirt. And uh, I went there with a couple students and some other staff from the church. And we were just doing ministry there and helping families uh, recover from the hurricane. Uh, it was traumatic. The, the situation in Houston is still traumatic. Houses that look totally normal on the outside, when you walk in, there are no walls, there are no floors, some of them don't have ceilings, because it all had to be ripped out because the hurricane waters were so high in these houses. And, uh, and it's in a very, very poor community, and it's a blessing that churches like ours and other great churches like the church in Houston get to help these families out through really difficult times. Uh, the youth pastor from that church, her name's Shannon, she's going to be coming up to California from Houston, uh, hopefully in the next month or so, because I want her to tell you the story of what's happening in Houston. I want you to hear it from her, and you're going to. It's going to be great. We're going to take more teams to Houston. So if you're interested in Houston, you're like, man, I'd love to be a part of that. Just keep it in your mind, and you'll hear me talk about it at some point. So, uh, we're doing this series, it's called Wrecking Ball. If you have not been on YouTube, there's this website, it's called YouTube, there's videos on there, there's a new technology, and there are hilarious, awesome videos of wrecking balls completely destroying things, and I like to watch those videos, I think they're very, very funny. But, and there's times in our lives that wrecking balls hit our lives, not real wrecking balls, it's not a big, you know, Bob the Builder kind of machine. There are moments, though, that feel like it destroys us the exact same way. You know, there's things that happen in our lives, these big, you know, hurtful moments, like these big moments of darkness, moments of loss, moments of pain, and they hit us and destroy us like only a wrecking ball could, and sometimes we don't know what to do. That's what we're going to be talking about through this whole series. You know, there's the theme verse for this series. If you're going to memorize any verse, this is the verse I want you to memorize. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and if you're like me, you probably have experienced brokenheartedness at some point. And he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And I love Bible words. I love how the Bible speaks to us. Even though it was written so many years ago, like it applies today. We can understand it today. Because I've had times that I have felt completely crushed in my life. And knowing that God is not too busy to worry about me when I'm at my worst makes me feel confident that I can survive it. You know, let me tell you, uh, let me tell you this deal. Uh, most people are afraid of things. I want you to ask yourself this question. What is the thing that you are most afraid of? What are you most afraid of? And everyone has a different answer to this, but everyone's afraid of something. I Googled it. Here are some of the top answers. Uh, number one thing people are afraid of are spiders. Could you imagine spiders crawling all over your face? And like, it's, it's, I couldn't imagine that. Uh, the number two thing people are afraid of is heights still. And this is actually a, one of our JHM life group leaders, Brian Hahn, jumping out of an airplane. I'm not afraid of heights. I would jump out of an airplane, but a lot of people are very afraid of heights. And the third thing, this is like the top three things, people are afraid of public speaking. Okay, I get nervous public speaking sometimes. Sometimes, like even right now, I feel like I'm going to throw up right now. I'm so nervous. 
No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not going to throw up. But like, some of you, you get put on the spot, and you got to be, you know, you're the one the teacher calls on, and you got to raise your hand, and you got to stand up and talk in front of the whole class. Like, you get really nervous. Public speaking is a nervous thing. Uh, I'm afraid of the dark. That's my big fear, okay? When I was a kid uh, at my house, I don't know if anyone in here has ever been in a house with a power outage. So you're in the house, and you're watching TV or listening to music, and you, you got stuff going, and then just randomly everything just, like, shuts off all at once. It's like everyone just hit the off button. One time I was at my house and I had my TV going and I had, you know, my music playing and the lights in my room were on. I had my, my hair, my blow dryer, blow drying my hair. That's how old this story is. Had hair, beautiful, long. So, and I'm blow drying my hair and then it tripped the circuit and everything just went dead. Totally dark. And I knew what I had to do, which is a circuit thing. I had to go down to my basement. I had to, you know, find the circuit. So I walked down to my basement, pitch black, okay, pitch black. Walked down to my basement the circuit boxes on the other side. So I walk across the basement floor, nervous, feeling like someone's watching me. I always, and when I'm in the dark, I feel like someone's watching me. They're looking to get me. And I find the circuit box and I kind of feel around, which, you know, feeling around electrical stuff with there's no lights is a dumb thing to do, but I'm so I'm doing it. And then I find the right circuit and I flip it and it's still dark downstairs. Uh, the lights went on upstairs and I book it to the stairs because I'm convinced that someone, like I said, this feeling someone's behind me and they want to eat me. And I'm so, it's from the movie It. Like when I was a kid, I saw the movie It. And it totally, and you guys, I don't know if you saw the new one. The old one is way scarier than the new one. The old one is like fright. I'm still scared of like clowns. It is. I'm still scared of clowns. And I'm afraid of the dark. And, and here's the thing. The, and, and maybe you're like, listen, I'm not afraid of the dark. I'm not, I, the dark doesn't bother me at all. But this is the thing we can all agree to. I'm going to put it up here on the street. This is the thing we can all agree to. It, regardless, no matter how we react to sudden darkness, I think we can all agree that when the lights go out, there's one common goal, to find the way back to the light. You, you know, you're afraid of the dark and the lights go out, you want to find light. If you're at camp and you're walking through camp and the fl flashlight goes out, you might not be scared of the dark, but you want to find light. But sometimes we find ourselves in darkness in our own life, and we don't know how to get out of that. Maybe something's happened in our life, something has you know, hurt us, we've been hurt, someone else has hurt, maybe decisions were made that, that have, have a huge effect on us and we don't know what to do. And here's the thing, and I don't know if you've ever asked yourself this, but maybe here's a chance to ask yourself this, and maybe you're on the screen. Ask yourself this question. Has life ever felt dark because of a tragedy you experienced or because you were hurt deeply by something or someone? And I have some examples of this. I have some examples. There is a global example. So, you know, everyone's been hurt by something. Things affect us. You know, we're all affected by something. Maybe global stuff. Maybe it's a terrorist attack or you hear stories of starving children in other countries, you know, you know, natural disasters. You hear these stories and you're like, oh my God, like this has an impact on you, but it feels so far away that it doesn't, it doesn't like maybe change your daily behaviors, but it, it's a thing that happens. Then there's community examples. You know, maybe you, here's a couple examples. There's a big storm or like a big fire. Remember there's the fire that happened in Tustin a couple weeks ago. And it was like burning everything down the 91. And like you hear that and you're like, there's a little nervousness there maybe. Like, could that happen where I live? Like, I feel like I, I live pretty close to that. Like, I'm nervous about that. There's, you see a car crash. You know, when I was in school, one of the teachers passed away when I was in school. And I remember how much that affected me because, and I didn't really know the teacher that well, but it was a teacher in my school. And, you know, hearing that she died, like it was the first time I really had, you know, any encounter with death. And like, I remember that had an impact on me. I talked to my mom about it that night. And then there's like personal examples. 
So here's some personal examples. These are things that I think all of us in our personal lives. Parents get divorced. My parents got divorced when I was seven years old. That had a huge impact on me. Loss of a, fa a family member or a friend. Like someone, not just someone you kind of know, someone who's really close to you, the death of someone close to you. Or getting bullied. You know, getting bullied has a huge impact on how we don't even look at the world, but how we look at ourselves and how we feel about ourselves. You know, over the next three weeks, these are the topics we're going to be talking about. Because I think these things can come into our lives like wrecking balls and totally destroy us if we are not paying attention. Now, here's the truth. When these things happen, everybody reacts differently. It's going to appear on the screen. I want you to write it down in your notes. Everybody reacts to hurt differently. Everybody. So maybe you're thinking, man, I, I, resp I, I feel like when I'm hurt, like I kind of bottle it all up inside because I don't want people to know like how I'm feeling. And maybe some of you, you're like, man, when I'm, when I'm hurt, I just wear my emotions on my sleeve. Everybody knows how I'm feeling. Like I have a bad poker face. If anyone knows poker, it's a game, it's a card game, you play for money. And I have a bad poker face, so everybody knows how I'm feeling when I'm hurt. But here's the reality. Here's the reality. Jesus knows how we're feeling. And not only does he know how we're feeling because he knows us, he knows how we're feeling because he felt a lot of those same things too. Jesus knows what it's like to feel in dark times too. He knows what it's like to feel in the dark times. Like he knows what it feels to experience hurt, pain, loss. So when he looks at you and says, man, I know what you're going through, he knows what we're going through because he's experienced it too. There's a story in the Bible of Jesus and some of his friends and, and a situation that he kind of went through and, and we're going to learn some stuff from it. So this is what it says. It's going to be in the book of uh, John chapter 11. And this is, you know the story, the story of Lazarus, but we're going to hopefully learn something. A man named Lazarus was sick. Now back then being sick wasn't just like having a cold. Like who's like a really terrible sick person? Like you get sick and it's like the world is ending. Okay, so that's me, okay? If I even think that I might kind of be getting sick, like, I'll take off of work, I will cancel everything, I will get babysitters for the kids, I'll stay in bed, watch Netflix, I'll have the delivery guy bring pizzas upstairs to my bedroom, how uncomfortable is that for that poor delivery man, and I'm laying there in bed giving him money for a pizza. Like, I'm, like, I'm the worst sick person, I whine, I complain, I'm a very bad sick person. And most of you are usually probably pretty good sick people, because you get sick and it's like, oh, you just got to tough it out, take some medicine, get some NyQuil, good night's sleep, you're good to go. Back then, if you got sick back then, it was like you're planning your funeral. Like, you know, right now, if you get sick, it's like, oh, man, I'm like not feeling well, my stomach's kind of hurt. It's like, oh, take some Pepto-Bismol, you'll be fine. Back then, if you're like, oh, man, I'm feeling sick, my stomach hurts, you'd be like, man, you better get your affairs in order. Like, I don't think you're going to make it. Because they didn't have doctors back then. Like, they didn't have doctors and medicine and all the things that we have today to help us feel better. They didn't have that. So getting sick was a huge deal. So this guy, Lazarus, was sick. He was from Bethany, a village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord, that's Jesus, uh, and wiped his feet with her hair. So if you don't know that story, you should look up that story. It's a really good story. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So this is a really important thing because Jesus has friends. Okay, if you ever think, well, how can Jesus relate to me, this guy in the Bible, guy walks on water, I don't walk on water, like, how can he relate to me? Well, he can relate to you because he does the same kind of things you do. If you have friends, you can relate to Jesus because Jesus had friends. If you've ever been hurt by a friend, Jesus was hurt by friends. If you've ever felt bad for a friend or, or been emotional about a friend because they were hurt or they were sick, Jesus had the exact same thing. He had friends like you guys have friends. He can relate to you. And so he gets word that he is sick, and Jesus, you know, takes action. This is what it says in the next verse. There you're going to see it up here on the screen. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been 
in the tomb for four days. So Lazarus is dead. He's in the tomb. He's been there for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in, uh, in the loss of their brother, which is a totally normal thing. You lose someone. You go through something difficult. People reach out to you and like, hey, how you doing? Let us bring you a meal. Maybe if you're lucky, it's like, hey, here's some money. Like, if you're really lucky, it's like, hey, I'm going to do your chores for you. Or like, don't worry about your chores. Just, hey, you know, just, you know, relax. And like, that's like, it's like a good, and that's what they did back then. They'd come to Mary and Martha's house and cook them dinner and talk to them. How are you feeling? Can we help you? And, and like, that's what they would do. And the, then, then Martha heard that Jesus was coming. She went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. You know, if I heard Jesus was coming, like, I would bolt out the door. And I'm like, I mean that today. Like, if I heard Jesus was, like, coming to town, I'd be like, I want to go see this guy. Like, and I don't even know him, like, personally, like, face-to-face. Like, I know him, like, in relationship with Jesus, know him. But, like, I don't know him face-to-face. Like, these guys, they knew him face-to-face and heard he's coming to town. And, you know, Martha bolts out the door to go see him. And Mary's just sitting at home. You might think, Mary, what's Mary's deal? Why is she so lame? She doesn't want to see Jesus. Let's Let's talk about pain and darkness for a second. When you go through something painful, everybody responds differently. Now, you might think, you know, Martha, well, yeah, she wants to see Jesus, and that's just who she is. And maybe, you know, she lost her brother Lazarus, but how she's dealing with her pain, like she's going to Jesus, and she wants to talk to Jesus. You know, you think of Mary. It doesn't say this in the Bible, so I'm kind of reading into it. But I know people who've lost before, and I know sometimes they spend days at home crying. They spend days, they don't want to see another person. They don't want to leave the house. And maybe that's Mary. She just, she's so emotional about the loss of her brother that she can't even leave, you know, bring herself to leave the house. She hasn't been bathing. She probably smells weird. Her hair's all messed up. Like, she's just crying. Her eyes are all puffy. She doesn't want to leave the house. Now, here's the thing I love about Jesus. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. It's going to be on the next slide. Let me see this. Mary and Martha had two different responses to what they were going through. If you think that you have to respond the way someone else responds, you are wrong because everybody responds differently to dark times. Everybody responds differently to hurt. Everybody responds differently when they're going through something tragic and hard and upsetting and emotional. Mary and Martha handled things completely differently. And you might think, oh my gosh, like, they, you know, what happened next? Well, this is what happened next. This is the next verse. Mary, uh, Lord, uh, this is what it says in the next verse. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, I want you to write this down. It's going to appear on the screen. This is is when it came to Mary and Martha. Jesus met both of them where they were. Jesus could handle their hurt and confusion, and Jesus didn't judge them for grieving the way they did. See, because this is what's happening in in that last verse. Martha's basically looking at Jesus and saying, you're the one to blame, Jesus. If you would have been here, things would have turned out differently. Okay. I'll be honest with you, most of what I do, I actually probably deserve the blame for. Most of the things I do, like the things that go wrong, chances are I did have some kind of a hand in it because I'm very mischievous, I like pulling pranks, and I'm a troublemaker. That's just who I am, God made me this way, and God never makes mistakes. So boys, girls, remember that. Being mischievous is okay. So most of the time when something goes wrong and someone looks at me and is like, Justin, did you have a hand in this? Are you responsible for this? Most of the time, I lie. And I say, no, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't know how that thing caught on fire. That doesn't sound like something I would do. And that, that's exactly what I say. Whenever you hear me say, that doesn't sound like something I would do. That's code for, I definitely did it, 
and I wish I could take the credit for it. Because I, like, I cause trouble sometimes, and when people point at me and say, you're to blame, chances are they're right. Here's the thing. When my parents got divorced when I was seven years old, I remember it was for probably about three or four years that I thought I was the one to blame for that. You know, I don't know if anyone's parents are divorced or anyone knows parents who are divorced, but I, for me, I thought I was the one to blame. I was a young kid. I always caused trouble. I was doing stuff, and I was always the one. My, I was always getting notes sent home from school for all the trouble I was getting into. And so when my dad said, hey, I'm moving out. I'm going to be living somewhere else. And I was confused by it because I was young. I was like, what are you, why are you leaving? What's going on? And I thought, did I do something wrong? Did I get in trouble at school one too many times? Like, did, did I get one too many notes sent home? Like, it, did, I, did I chase him away? Like, is this my fault? And we do one of two things. Either we are the ones who say, man, we're just to blame for everything. Or we're the ones who point at other people and say, you must be to blame. Here's what I love about Jesus. Even though Mary and Martha responded very differently, Jesus knew how to help them and care for them and experience their pain with them while they were going through it. He did not look at Martha and say, Martha, why are you putting the blame on me? Martha, you know, I have a whole plan here. You're kind of ruining the plan by confronting me. You know, I have a, I'm God. I have a plan. He didn't make excuses. He didn't explain. He listened. He, he listened, and he showed care. He didn't judge. He didn't correct her. He didn't try to fix things. He listened. Here's what it says in the next verse. This is such a powerful verse. When Jesus saw Mary weeping and the Jews who'd come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Now, you might see this, the whole thing and be like, man, I, you know, what, is, what does this mean? It's, it seems kind of like wishy-washy, mamsy-pamsy, cuddly-fuddly-wuddly. Jesus understands our hurt in a way that you probably don't know. I want you to write this down. It's going to be here on the next, the next screen. Jesus understands our hurt because he hurt. You know, that verse, Jesus wept, is actually the shortest verse in the Bible. So if anyone ever is quizzing you on Bible stuff and they're like, hey, do you know any Bible verses? You're like, yeah, Jesus wept. What do you know? Put them right back on the spot and they'll flub up and you can make fun of them. Shortest verse in the Bible tells us so much tells us that God is not distant from people. It tells us that Jesus experienced the things that we experience. I don't know if you, how many in the room are criers? I cry sometimes. I'm an emotional guy. Knowing that Jesus cried too makes me feel more comfortable looking at God saying, I can relate to you. You know, sometimes we feel like we can't relate to God. It's like, what, you know, where is he? He's out there. So we got this Bible. It's written thousands of years ago. Like, I, I, I just don't know how to relate to this ancient God. Well, maybe this ancient God isn't so ancient at all. Maybe this ancient God actually experienced things that you are experiencing right now. And because he's experienced it, he can relate to you differently. That he can understand our hurt because he hurt as well. He can understand our loss because he lost things too. You know, here's the deal. I want you to write this down. It's going to appear on the screen. When you experience pain, press pause and feel. Yeah, I think all too often when we experience pain, we experience hurt, we have to immediately, and guys, like, I think guys are more in tune with this than girls, and that's not like, a, I'm not, you know, categorizing, I'm just, it's a general statement that I believe to be a true statement, that guys are typically fixers. Something's broken, they want to fix it. So this thing isn't working, so I'm going to get it working, and then what are, what are the steps I need to do to get it working, and they fix. 
So guys typically are really, really bad at pausing and feeling things because they feel like, well, uh, how long do I have to feel this for? I just want to move to the it's all okay. But sometimes it takes time for things to be okay. And it's okay for things not to be okay. It's okay for you to be hurt, to be confused, to be angry. Here's the thing. If you've gone through something in your life and you haven't taken the time to decide how you feel about it, Maybe you need to. Maybe you need to say, man, I've gone through something. Whatever that thing might be for you, loss, the pain of loss, you know, hurt, hurt, families, you get bullied. Something's happened in your life. And if you haven't, if you're not able to put words to how you feel, maybe you've just gone so just past it too fast. And you haven't given yourself the chance to experience how you feel. You know, feelings are an important thing. Let me write this down. It's going to appear on the screen. There's no one way to feel. There's just your way. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. There's, you, you can't duplicate my way. You can't look at your parents and just do what they do. You can't do their way. There's no one way to feel. There's only your way. Everyone, because we're unique, because God made each and every one of us different, unless you have an identical twin, which then, I don't know, but instead, unless you have an identical twin, you are totally, even identical twins are totally unique, by the way. But God made you unique, which means that you experience emotions uniquely. You feel things uniquely. Like, how you feel is unique to you. Here's the deal. Jesus wants to meet you right in the middle of the dark and the pain. He doesn't want to know you when things are all okay. He doesn't, Jesus doesn't only care about us when things are perfect. Jesus cares about us even when things are a disaster, when the darkness is there, when pain is there. Like He cares even when things aren't okay. And I want you to ask this question of yourself. What's one thing causing you to feel pain right now? Now, I think everybody has something different for this. But what's the one thing for you? And I'm not asking you to shout it out. This is what I am asking you to do. On your note paper, there's a, very, there's a bottom part to your note paper. We use it for questions and prayer requests and stuff. This is what I want you to do. One, if you've taken notes and written stuff down, take that, that note paper with you. We, we don't need to leave it here. I don't collect them or anything. So you take that with you. That's, you know, that's for you. And at the very bottom, this is what I want you to do. I want you to name the thing that's causing you pain right now. Maybe for some of you, you need to take an extra moment to think about it because you don't know what it is. Maybe for some of you, you know exactly what it is, but you've never put words to it, and to put words to it makes it real, and that makes it hurt, and that's okay. I want you to write down in that little bottom part, and you don't have to, you know, put it in the box. You can take it home with you as a reminder. If you want to put it in the box, I'd love you to because I want to get an idea of where students are at. If you want to put your name on it, Totally. If you don't want to put your name on it, that's totally fine too. But here's the deal. If we're going to face the things that are hard in our life, we have to be able to name what they are. You know, this is the big idea for today, and I want you to write it down. When things are dark, you have to feel before you can heal. When things are dark, you have to feel before you can heal. When you leave today 
and you go find your parents and mom and dad's like, oh man, you know, church today, what did you guys learn? You're going to be able to look back at your parents and say, man, I'll tell you what I learned. I learned when things are dark, you have to feel before you can heal. And you look back at mom and dad and what do you say? What did you learn today? Because if your parents are going to question you, you have every right, you have a constitutional right to question them, okay? It's in the con- you should read it. It's in there, okay? It's in there. Because, man, if you can't name what you're feeling, you will never be able to heal from it. Over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about heavier topics. Divorce, grief, bullying, things that maybe you don't face those things, but chances are you know someone who does. And my hope over the next three weeks is that we do just this, that we take time to feel what we're going through or what we've been through, and that we then start to heal. And you might think, man, this is like really different than like what we typically do in junior high. It is a little different than what we do in junior high. This is a chance for you to grow. Listen, this is a chance for you to grow in this thing called spiritual maturity. This is a chance for you to go deeper in how you feel about things that maybe have happened to you. And it's your chance to learn so that when someone else is saying, man, I've gone through something that you can help them, not just in some random you know, way, you can help them in the way that Jesus would help Mary and Martha when he was there. So we're gonna play a song. This is your chance to respond. Write it down on the little sheet of paper, take it with you, or you can put it in the box in the back. I'd love to read them later. And then we're going to be doing this whole thing again next week. I just can't wait. It's going to be great. Let me pray for you guys. And we're going to sing. Heavenly Father, thank you for our students. God, thank you for everything you've gifted them with. Thank you for everything, how you've made them. And God, let this Wrecking Ball series be a series. Let it be one to remember as we start to learn about what it is like to not only listen to you, but to learn how to feel our hurts differently because you know what it feels like to hurt Jesus. Thank you for understanding us. We thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Keep writing if you need to write. The band's here. They're going to sing. Stand on up with me. It's going to be great.